Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their travel trailer, which they have nicknamed Bessie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our podcast. We're on the road on the Moss Vacas Tour 2021, part 47. <laughs> those of you who have been following our adventures this year know that that means we probably met up with a CTLR bunch to film more of those original Texas Longhorn cattle. Sure, that's true. And we did get quite a bit of that, but we're also hitting some goats this time through. We're doing some filming for the American Boar Goat Association here in San Angelo, Texas this week, so life is pretty busy. And the ABGA is an interesting bunch, let me tell you. There are some characters and some movers and shakers in this organization. But that means that this week we're going fast and dirty, working for a living, as Huey would say. I don't think Huey had quite as much fun as we're having. So we're doing a fast and dirty podcast intro for you, straight from a hotel room on the main street of San Angelo. And jumping right into work is what this week's podcast is all about. Speaking of character, Bob Erickson from Westview, Wisconsin is one. We met him a few months ago at Horse Progress Days in Mount Hope, Ohio, and he was a lot of fun to sit down with and talk about all things donkey, including structure, build, harnesses, and movement. He's one we'd love to meet up with again because he was not only a guy who really knew his stuff, but he had a truly enjoyable delivery. With a few interruptions in there now and again, as you can hear. And that's to be expected because, after all, Bob is a busy guy too. And maybe the donkeys were a little bit as well. The fast and dirty is sometimes a great way to proceed, and Bob and his little pair of hardworking donkeys have that down pat. Here is Bob Erickson. I'm Bob Erickson from Westview, Wisconsin. I've been driving horses and donkeys and mules all my life, and now that I got white in my beard and stiff knees, I drive donkeys because they're easy. Well, that's how we found you because you've been wandering around here at, uh, at uh, Horse Progress Days yes. 2021 with two beautiful little animals that have smathered across their harness, not a mule. Tell me yes. about that. Well, I've been going to a bunch of these things and all kinds of people will say, oh, look at the mules, look at the mules. And they're so radically different from a mule. I just, it's my little effort at education because the donkeys are easy and they're stable and I like to get have for them to get credit for it. Now we um, we recognized the look of that animal anyway. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but one of our very first interviews years ago was with a gentleman named Bob Doxy, and he's okay. in Missoula, Montana, and he raises mammoth jackstock. Is mm -hmm. that what you have? No, these are large standards. They're an inch short of mammoth size. All the donkeys are really the same genetic thing. They just uh, record how tall they are at maturity 
and mine are large standards, they're not mammoths. I do have a pair of mammoths at home, but they're in semi-retirement. Okay, so is that just a question of selection during breeding and it's the same thing, or is that is specifically sized? Some get bigger when they do their considered yeah. mammoth. Uh, I would say that donkeys the world over had a fairly narrow size range. Um, until the King of Spain sent two mammoth donkeys to George Washington, and we've been breeding them up here ever since. Um, you can find mammoth jacks now that are 17 hands tall. That's as tall as a lot of these mules and draft horses. Uh, so that's an American product. It's uniquely American, George. I yes. mean, specifically George Washington, and I think yes. a, a buddy of his at that point in time or somebody close to him. Yes. Poitou's or Poitou? How do I say that, that name? Poitou, Poitou. Poitou. Poitou acid, yeah, from uh, France and, and the border of France and Spain. Um, typically, and I, I'm, I don't mean to, I'm not an expert on Poitou's, but typically they have a lot of hair. I mean like a llama. Dreadlocks um, even. Right, a lot yes. of hair. Uh, and typically they have large heads. And typically they're sweet and gentle, remarkably so even for donkeys. That's been my little bit of experience. Now, I, if I remember properly, one of the things I've heard about donkeys, is specifically the larger ones, is their bone structure. They're very heavily boned in cases, in, in some cases. Yeah, they, Are the small ones as, heavily, as, as strongly boned? I don't know how to answer that exactly. It seems to me, I, I have lots of, hear lots of guys saying, oh, that, that jack has a lot of bone. And I have, in my years, never seen a horse, donkey, or a mule fail to be able to do his job because his bones weren't heavy enough. I don't know where they get that. Um, mine, if, if you look at them, they're, they're very fine bone. They, they, people don't think they can work but they work just fine with their slight little legs. I think it matters a lot more the quality of the bone and whether or not they've been bred not to have defective feet and legs. The really heavy stuff, their main value is to produce mules, especially in the south. And a really big jack, even if his legs are a little questionable, will produce some big, beautiful mules. The mare is inclined to straighten those legs out. But if you're going to use the donkeys, you want something that has straight feet and legs. So I absolutely would emphasize straightness and motion, heaviness. It makes no difference to me. I never had one fail for lack of heaviness, you know. So tell me about the chassis then, the structure of the thing, in, in terms of the difference between a horse and a mule and the way they're built. Sure. Uh, when I started driving my donkeys, I had a terrible time working them and not getting sore shoulders. Um, I could take them out for 15 minutes on the buggy every day and never know the difference. But when I hooked onto a heavy load and worked them all day, and then the next day and the next day, if I had a horse collar and hames on them, they would get sore shoulder points every time. And um, a, a donkey's shoulders are much narrower than a horse's, and the top of his neck is much wider. If you look at a cross-section of a horse's neck, it's shaped like a mandolin. Narrow at the top, tapering wider, and then heavy and round at the bottom. If you look at a donkey neck, it's wide at the top, narrow in the middle, wide at the bottom, just like a guitar, you see? It's an entirely different shape. Horses have a, a, a double muscle in their breast. Donkeys have a narrow single muscle. 
donkeys have narrow points on their shoulders, horses are wide, horse collars don't work well on a working donkey. On a, just to pull a buggy, you could tie your rope to their tail and pull it, you know what I mean, it's not fussy. But, so I, I have had a, a, a collar maker, Leslie down at Broadhead Collars, make collars for me that have a recess in the point of draft that doesn't touch the point of their shoulder. And then I weld the, lug, the, the, the point of draft, the lugs on my hames up a little closer to the top hame strap than to the bottom. That puts the draft up off the points of the shoulders and up over the high shoulders and neck. And now they can work and work and work and I haven't had a sore shoulder in 10 years. You know, that, that's something really interesting that most people that are not in the industry wouldn't realize, and I sure didn't, um, is that harnesses are super, super important and the fit oh, is super important. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, we went to the Donkey Welfare Symposium in Davis, mm -hmm. California, sure. and they were talking about donkeys in other countries mm -hmm. and sometimes how if they have a poorly fitting harness, it can oh, lead to difficulty. Sure. So you do specifically need something that's perfectly made for the animal or it can't pull as efficiently. Mine couldn't pull without getting sore until I had custom collars and hames that fit, and now I can't make them sore working them. Um, another thing I do with my harness, to, just particularly for the donkeys, um, is I use hip breaching, which goes above the tail rather than breaching below the tail. Donkeys have very coarse, brittle hair. And if their leg rubs on the britching all day, you'll wear the hair right off down to the skin. But if you put the britching above the tail, there's no movement. It'll sit there and you can drive them all week and take the britching off and there's not a hair missing. So they, their, their hair coat stays nicer. They're less likely to get sore if you put the britching above the tail. The other thing is that donkeys are really disinclined to back up. They fight it resist it even harder than a horse, you know what I mean? They just lock up, they don't want to do it. And so it takes practice and practice and advantage to get them to back a load, to actually push back and, and move a load. The hip bridging, if you draw a line from hip bridging to your neck yoke, you'll see it goes right through the animal's center of gravity. And, the, and from the other angle, the tug will go right through the center of gravity. They'll cross each other right at the center of gravity. That gives your donkey the best mechanical advantage to back a load. Watch a team backing a heavy load sometime, particularly if they have to back a little uphill. And if their bridging is low, their hind legs will practically get pushed out from under them. It works better, in my opinion anyway, to put the holdbacks above the tail. Um, for cosmetic and practical reasons. This is a really interesting thing. Many people think you must need a big set of horses or you must need a mule, and yet you choose donkeys. I'm White hair and stiff knees, I want something easy. They're just easy, you know, they're relaxed. It doesn't hurt them to stand still. If I start talking to somebody out here and stand for half an hour, they're happier, <laughs> you know. They don't start to prance and itch and want to get going. Um, training them is very different from training horses. Very different, but very easy, you see. If you learn the nature of the donkey, it's just easy. Horses are so terrified. I don't have you ever trained horses or driven them? No, okay. but I did read in one of the magazines something that said, you tell a horse what to do and you ask a mule. Is that the case with the donkey that, as well? That, that'd be the opposite way I would look really? at it. Really? <laughs> at, at my house, 
I try to teach the donkeys what I want them to do before I expect them to do it. And I teach them to do it because I said so, you see? And they accept that. They're, they're herd animals. They accept the fact that there's a leader who gives the instructions. And I'm the leader, and if I say, well, they just do it. They don't resent it. They're not nervous. I, I, I look much more at the results somebody gets than the method they used. Um, I talked to a young lady here yesterday who's using clicker training to train her donkeys. Well, her donkeys work for her. Who cares? Clicker training is just fine, you know. Um, I'm old, so I, I grew up long before the clicker training movement. Uh, so I tell them what to do, and I expect them to do it, and I make them do it. You're talking to them all the time, I notice. You're calling them by name. Absolutely. Alice, Talk on. to them, tell them what to do, and they do it. Yeah. You see? They yeah. will look at whether or not they're nervous and resentful. If they, if they do their job and aren't nervous or resentful, somebody did it right. Who cares how? You see? Um, and if they're angry and don't want to do it, well, then somebody didn't get it quite right. You know? Now, now, where do you uh, where do you live? Where's your farm and your donkeys? I'm living right in the middle of the Cache and Amish community in West Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay, yeah. so Wisconsin, obviously cold, and yes. obviously maybe humid summers a bit, or no? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How do they do? Uh, they they take the heat as well or better than horses. Uh, they don't like the cold. It doesn't make them sick, or or anything like that. But in the winter, I let mine run on the pasture year-round, I leave my barn door open for shelter. And my horses, when it got cold and got snowy, they'd go out there and tear around in the snow and kick up their heels and have fun. If we get four inches of snow, you won't see a donkey track in my pasture till spring. You see, they'll stay in the barn where it's warm and the breeze isn't blowing. Uh, and they've got long hair and they, I, I know plenty of guys whose donkeys stand out and they thrive, but they don't like it. Well, I noticed you shaved them for the show. They're, they're all uh, pretty underneath that coat, aren't absolutely. they? Absolutely. They look, half the reason people can't tell them from mules is because I clipped them and they look yep. nice, yep. see? Yep. And most of the donkeys you see have got shaggy hair this long and skis for feet and pot bellies. And, uh, and so I'm trying to improve the image a little bit. Yeah, you sure. definitely have. Now, how old are these girls? Four and five. Go girls, yeah. correct? Uh, yes, okay. and they're half-sisters. I just was able to match them about a year ago. Now, it's my understanding that four and five, you're just in the infancy of these babies, because well, can't sure, they live up to 50 years or something like that? The reason I got this young pair is that I hope they'll outlive me, so I don't have to do it again, because I, I love doing it, but I'm getting too old and stiff. As far as their age, Anecdotally, people would say, oh, you know, donkeys live 50 years or 60 years or 40 years. Um, I don't know of anybody who has actually recorded birth dates and death dates and done a study to show that they live a different number of years than horses and mules. I don't know. We At the symposium, they were saying up to 50, I think, 50 I, years old. Sure. So you inherit a donkey from your parent or your that grandparent. That could well be. And you were talking about how you had plowed a bunch of gardens this year. This past yes. Year. Oh, yes. Could you tell us a little bit about that yeah. and using your well, donkeys for that? Um, I, I'm right in this Amish community, and the Amish, my Amish neighbors are inclined to have gardens tucked in close to the house. And they have grape arbors and clothesline poles 
and obstacles, and it's really hard to get a team and a big sulky plow in and plow a garden. And so I went over to one guy's place, and I've just got a little team and a little eight-inch plow, and I went in there and plowed that garden up slick as a whistle. Well, he said, you could do that next year. Well, a couple of days later, another neighbor came over and wondered if I'd plow his, and so now I've got a circuit in the spring where I plow their gardens, and Half the, part of the reason is I can get in there where it's harder for them. The rest is they get a big kick out of seeing their English neighbors stumble along behind a walking plow. But it suits us both. So and maybe yeah. they get a little fertilizer too while they're at it. Absolutely. I tell them <laughs> plant sweet corn here. The ears will be humongous. Exactly. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now you were telling, you I, I want to say Alice. Is it Alice? Yeah, Alice is on the offside. Okay, but you were saying to one of them, I caught you saying something. Alice, get in the furrow, get furrow, out of the furrow. Yes, absolutely. So one is in the furrow and one is out, is that right? When you're gonna start plowing, and of course when you continue, but it's much easier to start if your off donkey, furrow donkey, actually has their feet down in the bottom of the plowed ground. If they're standing cockeyed or with one step a foot up, it's gonna take them a stride to get straightened out. And that's just when you're trying to get your plow into the dirt and started. And so you want your don your especially your furrow donkey in the plow facing forward to get you started with the walking plow. Oh, now, now the, the fairness concept in life says to me, if you always hitch one on the left because that's their mm -hmm. position and one on the right, then one donkey's always going to have the harder bit of work, right? It's not harder. Uh, I simply make, ask her to step into the furrow. That's not hard for a young, healthy donkey. She goes like this, you know. So it's not harder to move that loose to dirt that's already been stripped? Uh -huh. She doesn't walk in the loose dirt. She walks on the hard ground at the bottom of the furrow. You, the land is here, and then the furrow is here, and then the plowed ground is over here. So it's like a, like an, a piece of alsonite that's got that dip in the exactly. curve. Exactly. Okay. I don't want her standing in the loose ground. I want her to put all four feet down in that hard furrow bottom. Then the only difference between her and the other donkey's work is that one is working four inches higher than the other. Well, they don't even notice that. But no, I don't walk one in the soft ground. That's for guys that are in a big hurry and <laughs> but, and it also, it, it, it would lend itself to compaction, which you don't want necessarily in the garden if you have them turning the dirt right. and then stepping on it. Yes. No, I, I, um, I, I just plow with a pair and one on the land, one in the furrow, and I don't work them on the, the uh, plowed ground. I've seen a lot of guys in our neighborhood, it's common to see five or even six on the plow. Well, the outside horse walks in the plowed ground all day. His job is hard. A lot of the good places, they'll just work them there half a day and then switch. Uh, but yeah, that's very hard for that horse. The other thing is, if you watch those wide hitches, watch and see if the horse on the right and the horse on the left aren't pulling at an angle, and that just wastes their energy. If you can put them right square in front of the plow, then, then the, all the energy goes forward and nobody walks in the plowed ground. That's right. fantastic. Yeah. That's wonderful. So it, is there a limit to how much weight you want these little girls to, to, to pull? <laughs> I don't ever want to know what it is. <laughs> if to, to know you'd have to pull one pound too much. Right, no, I always, uh, if they're gonna have a heavy load, start low, work up to it, and I'd use my best judgment never to hook them to something that they can't pull. Um, I'll be demonstrating a log arch out here at two. 
And we made it because my buddy and I go down in the woods, and mine are just 700 pounds apiece. That's really, really small for logging. And we'd like to be able to do a little bit more and not risk hooking them to something that just can't pull. So we made a, I made a log arch that'll just lift the log entirely off the ground. Well, then it rolls. Then they could walk all day with a heavy log, and it's no strain for them. Uh, so uh, the, the pulling horse guys, they can tell you some way big number of what they can actually pull. But I don't see as it makes their horses any better useful for spreading manure and getting wagon rides. So I don't know what they can pull. I don't want to. <laughs> how, many, how many years did you say you've been here so far at Horse uh, This Days? is my eighth year. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And are you going to keep coming? As long as my knees allow me. We may be getting toward the end of that. We'll see. Yeah. Then you get to ride on the doggies. Well, I should, what I may do is keep coming and just quit plowing so that I can ride instead of walk. Well, we yeah. sure got a kick out of watching well, you. I, Thank you. I'm glad you were here. That's why I come, because all the interested people are here, and it's fun to meet yeah. them and talk to them, of course. We think yeah. so, too. Well, great. We'll see you next time. Thank you much. <laughs> Thank you very you much. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe. This is how we keep going. And please ask your friends to join us. Please also feel free to post any comments or questions to our social media sites. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under Backyard Green Films. Thanks again for listening. We love to bring you this podcast every week. We visit places all across the country and even a few places outside the U.S. We'd love to keep doing this as long as we can, but holy cow, gas is expensive. So, we've started up a Patreon account. If you'd like to help be a part of the stories you hear, we'd love your support, feedback, and suggestions. If you'd like to make that financial support, please follow the Patreon links in our podcast intro for more information. Every little bit is another mile we can put on the road to bring you the conversations we hope you enjoy. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. We want to thank Bob for sitting down with us when we were back at Horse Progress Days. If you'd like some more information about donkey power, mule power, and draft horse power, check out Horse Progress Days at horseprogressdays.com. Com. Also, check out the Donkey Welfare Symposium at donkeywelfaresymposium.org. We'll see you next week with another adventure. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, all rights reserved, copyright 2021.